We're in a series right now. We're kind of in the middle of a series. Now, week number six called Moving from Good to Great. Moving from Good to Great. We're studying the book of Joshua. And it's kind of doing a flyover, uh, a flyover of the book. And uh, so today we're um, in chapter 10. I'm going to talk a little bit about chapter 9. I'm going to give you a backstory in, in a few minutes. But going from good to great, and the premise of this series is to, is to encourage all of us, my prayers for you, is to not just live a good Christian life. Because we can do that. It's easy just to settle for good. My prayer is that you will want more of God, more of the Holy Spirit in your life, and to go from good to great. God doesn't want any of us to settle. He wants us to move toward spiritual greatness in our lives. And that's what we see in the book of Joshua. They, they, they've traveled out of Egypt, out of bondage, which is a picture of, of a life without Christ. And, and they were in bondage. And then the Exodus, which is a picture of our salvation, they broke free from the bondage. They went to the wilderness. And they were supposed to just stay there for a few years, and a few years turned into 40 years because they lack faith. So one of the main themes that we've been talking about, one of the main themes uh, that we see over and over and over again in the book of Joshua is that we see God moving in response to bold faith to change impossible situations. And, we, that, and that's what we see over and over and over again, that, that God moves in response to your bold faith, to my bold faith. And we see in the life of Israel and Joshua, to their bold faith, God moves to change impossible situations. And if you're a Christian this morning and you're here and you know Christ, and if we know that we have a God who's fighting for us, then we know that, that there is nothing impossible with God. We need to understand that the Christian life is a supernatural life. It's an unexplainable, it's unexplainable apart from God. Dr. Adrian Rogers, the pastor, um, passed away, uh, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, out of Memphis, Tennessee, he said, Christians have no right to be believed as long as we can be explained. I want you to, I want you to let that sink into your head for just a minute. Christians have no right to be believed as long as we can be explained. Is there anything in your life that you can point and say, hey, you see that right there? That's unexplainable apart from God. Is there any part of your life where you can point to and say, that's an unexplainable part of my life that only God could do the unexplainable? And it is possible that we have gotten so well educated that when we make good money, maybe you make good money, that you can just make things happen without, without God. 
So you just kind of live your life. You know, if you make good grades, you know, you got good influence, you know. You know, sometimes it's just very easy to say, I don't need God. We need God, but I don't need God. God, I need you for my salvation, but then I got the rest. And so some of us, we are living a life that's explainable. It's a life that, hey, I can explain what I did. Look at what I've done. And God wants to challenge us to live a life that is absolutely unexplainable apart from a supernatural God that's breaking through and winning some battles on your behalf. If you're taking note, as long as your life is explainable, then your life is not believable. The outside world, they're looking to see if there's anything different about our life that can't be explained apart from God. Now, let me, let me tell you, the passage of Scripture that we're about to go into today is unexplainable. Now, that's a challenge to me. Because under my job description as a pastor, I'm just supposed to explain things to you. And yet today I can't. I believe it. But I can't explain it all. I can't explain how it happened. I can only explain that it happened and maybe why it happened. Uh, so today I'm going I'm to talk about the unexplainable. And so I hope that you're ready to see this. Joshua chapter 10. So follow along with me in verse number 6. The Gibeonites, they sent word to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal. That's their headquarters. The Israelites are camping out at Gilgal. The Gibeonites sent word to Joshua. They said, do not abandon your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us. Help us. Because all the Amorite kings from the hill country have joined forces against us. All right, so let's stop here for a minute. The Gibeonites, the Amorites, who are these people? The quick back story of the Gibeonites. There's a little town about 20 miles from where they were camping out, Gilgal, about 20 miles away at one of the city-states called Gibeon. In fact, Gibeon is one of those city-states that, that God had commanded the Israelites to conquer. And so the Gibeonites, they see the handwriting on the wall. They said, we're about to get destroyed because the Israelites got the power of God. God is on their side. We're about to be wiped out. And so they came up with a plan to deceive Joshua and the Israelites. And by the way, the Gibeon, you know, the town of Gibeon, they were well-to-do people. You know, they had drawn a strong fighting force, and a strong army, and, and, and so they had everything. And so they thought, hey, what if we pass ourselves off as the poorest of the poor, and that we come from a distant country, that we're not even close to, to the, um, one of these city-states that, that God wanted to be conquered. And so that's what they did. They changed their outfit, they wore poor clothes, they wore shoes that were way out of style, that were well, you know, worn out. They brought food that was moldy. And they showed up in chapter 9. And they showed up to Joshua and said, hey, you know, we're the poor people. We live very, very far away. In fact, when we left home, you know, we had fresh bread. But now look at it. Our bread is all moldy. 
you know, um, what's the, what, we come far, far away with the life. They were deceiving Joshua. They're only 20 miles up the road. And Joshua, and the Bible says in Joshua chapter 9, that they, uh, they listened to these people, and without inquiring the Lord, that was their mistake, without checking into God, they got ahead of God and said, okay, we will make an alliance with you, that you will serve us, that you will, be, you will become workers on our behalf. And so they made a covenant. And so the Gibeonites, they, they were like, yes, we, we are safe. But three days after that, that treaty, three days later, they realized that, they, that the, the Israelites realized that they've been duped, that they've been deceived. And the Israelites were mad. I said, oh, Joshua, they just lied to us. We've got to go down there and take care of business. But Joshua, the man of integrity, said, hey, guys, I'm mad too. But we signed a covenant with these people before God, and so we've got to honor the covenant. All right, we, we, we made our bed. Now we've got to sleep in it. All right, and so here's the, Gibeon, the Gibeonites. You know, they, they got this peace treaty. They have this alliance that Joshua and the Israelites are kind of frustrated with. But there's a, there's a, a, a region nearby called the, the, the Amorites, and it consisted of five major cities. Now, these five major cities, they hated each other anyway. They didn't like each other, but they were also mad at the Gibeonites for teaming up with Israel. And so it was like the enemy of my enemy is not my friend. And so we're going to get together, and we're going to make a super army, and we're going to go attack Gibeon, the city of Gibeon. We're going to destroy them because we're mad that they teamed up with Israel. And so we see in the verse that we just read in verse number six, you know, the Gibeon crying out, hey, Joshua, hey, remember that covenant that you made with us? That alliance that you made? Remember how we made peace? Remember how your friends are my friends and your enemies are my enemies? Well, we've got some enemies here. They're attacking our city right now. They are, they are trying to wipe us out. And we need you now. We need you to come up here and to save our bacon. And so this is what we're going to jump into as we unfold the rest of the story. I want you to see two lessons that we can learn from this story. The first lesson is that God reminds all of us that the battle has already been won. God is reminding us and continues to remind us that the battle has already been won. So let's pick it up. Joshua chapter 10, verse 7. So Joshua marched up. Now, going up actually meant they went up. They marched uphill. An elevation from, from Gilgal to Gibeon is over 3,000 feet in elevation. 20 miles to get there, 3,000 feet to go up to get to the city. And so Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including all the best fighting men. The Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. So let's just stop you for a minute. And I want you to recognize that this is the grace of God in operation. 
Joshua and the Israelites, they messed up in chapter 9 by not inquiring of the Lord before they made this alliance. And in spite of that, God still working with them. God is still blessing the Israelites. God is still willing to fight for them as they fulfill a promise they should never have made. And I think there's probably some of us here this morning who need to hear this more than anything else today. Just because you've messed up, maybe you messed up really badly, but just because you've messed up doesn't mean that God is done with you. He's not finished. He's not finished. He just wants you to get back up and keep going. To get back up and to keep fighting. We, we have this assurance from God that, that he that he is willing to fight our battles. He is still fighting our battles. Throughout the Bible, whenever we see God's people facing a challenge, we see this over and over and over again. The Lord, he shows up. And he always says something like this. Hey, don't be afraid. I'm with you. I go before you. I'm, I'm fighting on your behalf. I'm going to fight your enemy. I am with you. We didn't cover this a few weeks ago, but right before the Battle of Jericho, Joshua was trying to come up with a plan how he could take the city. And the angel of the Lord showed up. Now, the angel of the Lord was a pre-incarnate of Jesus Christ. This was, you know, this is a, this is a picture. This was who Jesus was before he actually came in, in Bethlehem in a baby, as a baby in a manger. All right, so this, this, he represented Jesus. He showed up. To Joshua, and Joshua then, you know, she sees this, whoa, you know, what's going on here? Whose side are you on? Are you on our side? Or are you on their side? And and, and Jesus said, hey, I just came to take over. I am here. I came to let you know that the battle is not yours. It belongs to the Lord, and and you're going to be victorious. You see, the Lord is fighting your battle this morning. I don't know what battle battle you're facing right now, but God is on your behalf, he's fighting it. And so we, we see the story in verse 9. After an all-night march from Gilgal, I mean, they got the call to, you know, right before bedtime, hey, we're in trouble. They're attacking us right now. We need your help. And so Joshua didn't waste any time. He rounded up the men and said, let's go. So they traveled all night from Gilgal. And Joshua took them by surprise, the Amorites. He threw them into confusion before Israel. So Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely at Gibeon. And now they're running. They're retreating. Some of the, whoever survived, they're, they're, they're escaping. And so the Israelites, they pursued them along the road and, 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 and up to Beth Horon and cut them down all the way to Ezekiel and Machedah. As they fled before the Israel on the, lo- on the road down from Beth Horon to Africa, look at this. The Lord, he hurled large hailstones down on them. And so more of them died from the hail than were killed by the swords of the Israelites. I just love this. Again, this is a reminder that the battle belonged to the Lord. And if you ever want any kind of spiritual battle, and if you've ever been victorious over any temptation, any temptation that you're facing, you should never bow up in the mirror and look at yourself and say, well, look how sharp my sword is. Look how awesome I am. Look what I did. 
I have claimed victory in the name of Jesus. No. We should every time, we should, we should come with humility. We should fall on our face and worship the God who has fought on your behalf, who has fought for you. It's an understanding of how helpless we are to win any victory, to win any battle apart from God. We absolutely need him in everything we do. And there were more that were killed by the hailstones by the Lord than those who were killed by the sword. The Lord wants to come to you just like he did to Joshua. Do not be afraid. No weapon formed against you will prosper. I am fighting your battles. And I hope that will be an encouragement to every one of us if you feel like you've been under defeat this morning. Maybe this has been a this year, you feel like you, you've lost this year. Listen, the Lord's still fighting your battles. He's still fighting your battles. And I know how the story ends. I know how the story ends. And we win. It may not look like you're winning now, but he is fighting on your behalf. That's the first lesson. The second lesson I want you to learn today is that God desires to honor bold prayers. God desires to honor bold prayers. I said earlier that the Christian life is supernatural. It's unexplainable. I want to read to you verses 12 and 13. I want to read something that I do not have the ability to explain. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, Son, stand still over Gibeon, and you, moon, over the valley of Ajalon. The Bible says, So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies. Remember, Joshua had marched all night. He had not wasted any second to fight his battle. And yet, he was running out of time. And so he prayed the prayer for God to, 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 to send the battle into overtime. <laughs> you know, hey, God, I, I need, hey, John, I need you to stop and moon over here, I need you to stay still. God, I need you to make this happen. I mean, we're talking about a bold prayer. And God honored that prayer. He answered that prayer. And, it's, you know, I, I can't explain it all. But to me, you know, I'd have to get the science involved in this. You know, because I've been taught that the earth needs to rotate, otherwise we don't, we'll lose our gravity. You know, and so earth rotation, gravity all plays a part. And I'm like, okay, God, you know, I don't understand how this happened. Not only do you make that happen, but how do you make sure that no one floated off the planet? And you start to try to do the math and try to do the science. And, and at some point you say, you know what, God? You're God. You're the God that can stop the sun and the moon. You're the same God that wrote Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, that you created the heaven and the earth. I'm not going to argue with you with science. I'm just going to believe it. It's not explainable. 
so yes, God is in the battle into overtime. Maybe he was afraid that they would retreat into cover of darkness. So he said, God, I'm going to get, we need to take care of business. I need the daylight. I need to keep on going. And so Joshua, by faith, he prays a big, hairy, audacious prayer. And asked God to do something that was impossible. And God answered. God did this. God did the unexplainable. Now, how many of you are like me sometimes? But we can say, you know, God, you don't need me. God, you're not. God, you can do anything you want. No, he's not obligated to answer my prayers. He, he doesn't need me in any way to win any spiritual battles. I mean, God, you're God. But I'm not. God can do whatever he wants without me. How many of you like that with me sometimes? You know, we say, man, you know, God, who, who am I? You know, what, what, what do you want with me? And so because of that, sometimes we fall into this idea that we can just sit on the sideline and do nothing while God fights my battle. We, we begin to think, hey, I don't need to march. I don't need to fight. I don't need to pray. If the Lord got, if he's fighting my battle, then I can just sit by here and just watch him. I sit on the sideline and go, woohoo, way to go, God, let's go. I mean, it's easy to fall into this idea. But throughout the story, we see what theologians call, they call it the divine human cooperative. The divine human cooperative. There's a cooperation between the divine and the human. In other words, God fought. He fights the battle. But God also expected Joshua to pick up his sword, to do his part. Just because Joshua prayed a son stand still prayer, it didn't mean that he didn't have to fight. He still had to fight the battle. He still had to go. In fact, Joshua prayed the prayer, and after he said amen, Listen, he wasn't sure if God answered that prayer. It wasn't like the, moon, the sun and the moon were moving, whoop, and stop. I mean, the sun, you know, moved very slow. It's a sun, moon, and you stay still, and it's okay. I don't know if that prayer works. Let's fight, and he moved forward in faith, praying in faith that God stopped the sun and the moon. And I'm sure after about an hour, it's okay. I think the sun is still there and the moon. Hey, guys, has the sun moved to you? Is it still there? And the guy's just like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. And I think, you know, yeah, so well, no, keep fighting. After another hour, so yeah, I'm pretty sure the sun did not move. The Bible says that the sun and the moon stay still for a full day. I'm sure about six hours in, five hours in, they said, yep, God answered that prayer. Meanwhile, they still move forward in faith into victory. God expects you and I to be engaged in the battle. Teenagers, maybe you got a big tech tomorrow. And so, Lord, I'm not ready for the tech tomorrow. I need you to help me get an A. Help me get a help me to have a good grade. If I don't get a good grade, I'm toast. And listen, you should pray. But you know what else you have to do? You've got to study. You still have to open the books. 
You know, if you just show up to you know, the school tomorrow and say, hey, I didn't study, but hey, I prayed a something to a prayer. Well, good luck. You still had to do your part. You didn't. You didn't pick up the sword. You said, man, I, I, you know, maybe you're here. You said, man, I, I'm gonna, I need to lose some weight. And you begin to pray. You say, Lord, I need to lose 30 pounds, 40 pounds, 20 pounds, whatever. I need to lose weight this year. And, and hey, that's specific. It's okay, I'm, I'm going to pray for this. But then you still have to get up and go to the gym. You still have to eat healthy. It's not just going to happen on its own. You still have to do your part. God expects you and I to be engaged in the battle. He expects us to pray big, bold prayers. And to engage in battle and expect God, and expect that God is fighting through us and for us. Now, look at verse 13. We already read this, but let me... Go back. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, till the nations avenged itself on its enemies. As it is written in the book of Jeshar, which is a book that's not uh, known anymore, but there was a well-known book that actually recorded, with a recorded history, actually recorded this event. So it's an extra-biblical book. The passage continues, that the sun stopped in the middle of the day, in the middle of the sky, and delayed going down about a full day. There's never been a day like it before or since, a day when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel, the unexplainable, the unexplainable, where people are like, wow, the unexplainable happened. And God gets all the glory. You want to make big, bold difference in this world? You gotta pray big, bold prayers that move the heart of God to change lives or whatever, whatever you're praying for, to see miracles come through. And I'm praying here, praying for, I'm praying for revival. That's my, one of my Sunday still prayer. Praying for a heart to be moved. Praying for a heart to be moved to repentance that we will humble ourselves because we're prideful people. For us Americans and Canadians, right, we're prideful people. You know, we, 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 because we live in a, in, in a culture where we can do it all without him. Not praying for heart to change. That we can move from good, status quo, and that we can move to greatness. Not greatness where people can see how awesome we are. No, to see greatness is to see how awesome God is. It starts with the leaders, and it trickles down to all of us. The story of revivals in the past. That's great stories of revival. And I believe that God can do it again. I believe he can wake up the church. Wake him up. And he can do it again. Something to pray. I'm praying God What's next for our church so that we can continue to reach more people in our community? 
เราจะกลัวในใจปวดเดือดเราจะทำสิ่งที่ไม่ได้เชื่อยาแต่จะทำสิ่งที่ผมจะพยายามพูดประจักษ์ประจักษ์นะครับถ้าผมมองเห็นนี้มันตกใจมากนั่นคือการตัดสินใจของพระเจ้ามันตกใจมากแต่ไม่มีอะไรที่ใหญ่ที่สุดสำหรับคุณเพราะเราพยายามทำสิ่งที่ต่อการที่ดูว่าอิสระไม่สมบูรณ์ในชีวิตของเราเราไม่สามารถทำได้แต่เราทำได้แต่เราทำได้แต่เราทำได้แต่เราทำได้แต่เราทำได้แต่เราทำได้แต่เราทำได้แต่เราทำได้แต่เราทำได้แต่เราและฉันคิดว่าบางทีเราอาจจะต้องการความรู้สึกที่มีความแตกต่างระหว่างความเชื่อและสิ่งที่เราพยายามจะทำแตกต่างกันเราต้องการความรู้สึกที่มีความแตกต่างระหว่างความเชื่อและสิ่งที่เราพยายามจะทำแตกต่างกันเราต้องการความรู้สึกที่มีความแตกต่างระหว่างความเชื่อและสิ่งที่เราพยายามจะทำแตกต่างกัน And sometimes I wonder if God's like, well, "Hey, have you looked where you live? Have you looked in the part of the world that you're living in now?" So I, I, yes, I want to bless you, but man, I want pray for something bigger. You're already blessed, and I continue to bless. Pray for something bigger, though. Or we're like, "Hey, God, just just be with us today." But again, God is like, "Well, you know, I promise you in the Word that I'll never leave you nor forsake you." I've, you know. Kind of a given. I am with you. I want give me something more. I mean, throw me a fastball pitch. We, 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 sometimes we just go to God and, and God, I wonder if God said, "Hey, ask me for something that would help me that would that I could show off my glory. Ask me for something big so that the unexplainable happens and people are in awe." Of a great, great God, and I believe that sometimes our prayers insult the heart of God. Too small and too generic. When I was, I think I was twelve, thirteen years old, I um had a friend over. His name is Jay, and Jay, you know, come over at my house and. And um, we have a, the woods behind us. We're playing in the woods, snowball fight, all kind of good stuff, and hide and go seek. And I'm running around hiding, and and I had back then the behind the ears hearing aids, doctors, okay. And I had them, and and while I was running through the woods, one of the branches grabbed my ear and grabbed that hearing aid. And pulled it out of my ear and catapulted somewhere in the middle of the woods. Gone. And I said, "Oh no, that can't be good." <laughs> But then I got into a snowball fight, and I forgot about the hearing aid. About an hour passed, and、uh, I thought, "Huh, I better look for that hearing aid." And I can't. We can't find it. So I go in the house and say. 
Then my mom, my mom, I said, I'm, t- I'm taking off the clothes, my no clothes. I said, hey, mom, I, just, I got some bad news. I lost my hearing aids in the woods. So my mom said, well, what are you taking off your clothes for? We're going back out. We've got to find your thing. I said, oh, it's impossible. It's somewhere in the woods. I don't even know where it's at. I said, no, we got we to at least try. So we get out, and I put snow pants on. My friend Jay, he put his snow pants back on, coat on. We start looking. You know, we backtrack everywhere I went. And I was everywhere in that woods, but you can't find it. I mean, it's like finding a needle in a haystack. And, and after just walking around for an hour, no luck. And, 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 and so we stopped. I could just see my mom frustrated because, you know, the hearing aid could have cost a lot of dollars to replace it. And uh, we got to find this. And so she said, hey, guys, let's pray. So me and Jay, we, we hold hands. Dear God, we need to find this hearing aid. It is somewhere in the woods. It is lost. Help us to find it. We need it today. Well, my son could be deaf for the next six months. <laughs> Amen. One thing about hearing aids, um, hearing aids in water do not mix well. And they've been out there in melting snow for the last couple hours. When we said amen, and we're out there in the woods somewhere praying this prayer, we said amen. And a few seconds after we said amen, my mom said, hey, do you hear that whistling? My friend Jay said, yeah, I hear it too. They look at me and say, Scott, do you hear it? <laughs> Talk to Jay and Mom and shh, let me try again. <laughs> like that was going to help. God has just given it, had revived my hearing aid to whistle for a few more seconds. There was no reason for it to whistle. It should have been dead. It should have been gone. It started whistling, this weak little whistle. My mom, my friend Jay, tracked down that whistle right through the hearing aid. It was half in the water, but snow just melting on it. And when they pick it up, it stopped whistling. I can't explain that. But I saw something that day where God gets all the glory and the credit. God be the glory. Many of us, we pray very small, generic prayers. I'm going to encourage you to pray big, specific prayers. Because general, generic prayers do not move God to specific actions. Let me say that again. General prayers do not move God to specific actions. Don't just pray, God, keep my kids safe from school, keep my kids safe from drugs. I'm going to challenge you to pray bigger. Instead, pray, God, raise up my children to be spiritual leaders in the school. God, may they stand out for the glory of God, for the glory of Jesus. I pray that they will be bold in their faith, bold in their walk with, the, with you, that they will be leaders, 
in their faith. You're playing specific, big, bold praying for your kids. Don't just pray, oh God, I'm praying for my husband who's a jerk. <laughs> Make him less of a jerk if you can. How about instead of praying that, you pray, God, touch the heart of my husband. I pray that he would bow the knee to you, into a relationship with you, that he would stand up to be a devoted follower of Christ, that he would lead the family well, that he would stand up for truth and righteousness. God, I pray that he would get in the word and lead out of the word for you and for our family. God, that's what I'm praying for, my husband. That's what I'm praying for. We pray big prayers. Big prayers. Specific prayers. We believe in a God who can do the impossible. And when he does, your faith will grow. And your faith will grow bigger and bigger. Because you have the power of the risen Christ dwelling inside of you. You believe that God can, that God will. And even if he doesn't, you still believe in a big, big God who knows a bigger and better plan and purpose for our lives and yours. I want to close out with this last passage. It's a prayer that Paul prayed for the church. You see over and over and over again the word power. The word power is the word dunamis in Greek. Dunamis. Look at the word dynamite. Dynamite power here. Explosive power. That's what Paul is praying for here. This is the power that doesn't come from you, but comes from God. Check it out. Ephesians chapter 14. Paul prayed this prayer. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives, derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may Strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that, the, so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, long, and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, that to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So what we're going to do today it's not going to give you the chance to pray a son can't kill prayer. Big prayers. Bold, specific prayers. Ask God for miracles in our lives. We're going to ask God boldly. And when God answers our prayers, we're going to be able to tell everybody, hey, listen, God showed up and God showed out. It's his power. It's going to be unexplainable. He's going to do immeasurably, immeasurably more than we can all ask or imagine or even think. And yeah, he's going to get all the glory. If, if God doesn't answer it in, in, the, in the way that we think he should, my friend, God is still God. 
he's still sovereign. And it doesn't shake our faith because we believe that he's the sovereign creator of the universe. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Let's not go weak. Let's not be generic. Let's not be small. Let's go boldly before God. Take away how to pray a substantial prayer. Uh, four things, real quick. So take a note. Uh, I want you to do this. First of all, you got to identify an impossible situation that you're facing right now. What is the impossible situation that you believe needs to change in your life? Might be a relationship, might be finances, might be uh, health issues, emotional health, physical health. Maybe there's a loved one that's far from God that you're praying for the past week. We saw one of those prayers answered. We're praying for this man for this man for 13 years. 13 years. They come to know Christ. The past week. Came to know Christ. Don't dance your prayers. Don't just give up on your prayers. You keep praying, you keep praying. Those big, bold, specific prayers. That's number one, identify that impossible situation. Number two, write it out with specific specific wording. Be specific. Notice what Jesus said to a blind man. In Mark chapter 10, verse 51, he said, Hey, what what do you want me to do for you? Well, that was obvious. But Jesus wanted to hear him say it. The Bible says that the blind man said, Lord, I just want to see I just want to, I want to see again. I have never seen anything in my life. I've been blind since birth. I just want to see. And Jesus healed a man. He healed him. Be specific. Be specific. God wants to hear your specific prayers. Because your specific prayers will get specific results. Number three, express your confidence to God that he's able to move on your behalf. There should be this holy anticipation that God is going to do something on my behalf. It may not be the way you, you think he'll answer it, but hey, God is on the move. He's fighting, he fighting our battle. And I have confidence, confidence in him. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heals us. And if we know that he heals us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. Have that bold confidence. And number four, thank God in advance for his answer. When you say, well, God, he hasn't answered yet. Well, thank him anyway. Thank him in faith. Say, God, thank you for how you're going to deal with this. And whatever you do, God, I trust you to know what's best. Here's my prayers. Specific prayers. Thank you. Thank you. I believe that God wants to do the impossible. The unexplainable. Don't just be satisfied with good. The explainable good. Move from good to great. Move from the explainable the unexplainable and see how big God can be 
in your life and in our as well. What's your Santanto prayer? That's your challenge this week. Whatever your Santanto prayer is, I, start, I pray that you start doing that today. I start praying with bold faith. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the story of Joshua. It's unexplainable. I can't explain it. The science don't matter. The science don't add up. It's because we serve a supernatural God that over that trumps our science, that trumps our mathematical mindset. You are bigger than all those things. You are unexplainable. So God, I pray for all of us here to move from good to great. That we won't just live that is well explainable. But that we will start stepping out in faith and trusting you, trusting in you to do the impossible, trusting in you to do the unexplainable, so that at the end of the day, you get out of glory. In Jesus' name, amen.